Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. We're going to jump around a little bit, and we're not going to start there, but if you're already there, you'll, you'll have a head start. This was in Lark News. The headline of the article was, Man, 91, dies waiting for the will of God. Walter Houston, described by family members as a devoted Christian, died Monday after waiting 70 years for God to give him clear direction about what to do with his life. He hung around the house and prayed a lot, but just never got that confirmation, his wife Ruby said. Sometimes he thought he heard God's voice, but then he wouldn't be sure, and he'd start the process all over again. Well, do you know anybody like this? Or are you perhaps sometimes like this yourself? Um, Tonight, we're going to talk about knowing what God's will is when you have to make decisions about something, right? The decisions might be what electives to take in school, or whether to buy a certain car or not, or what college to go to. It could be what job to take, right? Life is full of decisions, and as faithful Christians, we want to please the Lord in all things, right? And so it's a natural question to ask, what decision would God want me to make in this particular instance? Now, I'm gonna just gonna give you a warning. Half of you are gonna disagree with what I'm gonna tell you tonight. Okay, just kind of get that out of the way, all right? Now, the other half of you are gonna agree with me, but then the first big decision you have to make, you're gonna forget everything I said. Okay, so don't be in either of those halves. All right, just make yourself like a new half, all right? Hopefully that half will contain all of you. Um, now, to, anyways, I'm just going to like, all right, so now that that's out of the way, okay? Um, so what we're going to talk about is first what we mean when we say God's will, or when we talk about God's will. Like, what is God's will? We're going to talk about that. Number two, we're going to talk about how to know what decision God wants you to make. Okay, so first, what God's will is, like what we mean when we say God's will. Second, how to know what decision God wants you to make. And then third, we're going to go over some objections to to the thing that you're going to, half of you are going to disagree with, and half of you are going to agree with, but then forget what I say, first big decision, okay? So we'll, we'll, talk, we'll look at some objections. If I don't get to all of the objections, or, you know, if you think of some objections that I don't mention, come talk to me. Uh, I'd be, be happy to talk. But uh, before we jump in, let's pray, okay? Uh, Lord, we thank you uh, so much for the way you run your universe. We couldn't do it better. Um, Father, we thank you for being a loving God toward us. Uh, you, you've displayed this by giving your own son to die for our sins. You've displayed this by getting us up this morning. I mean, the fact that we are awake and moving around was because it's just evidence of your care for us. You've sustained us every night, and we continue to live at your will. Thank you for feeding us today. Um, thank you for the, the so many blessings you've given us. Um, every good and perfect gift comes from you. So help us understand what you say about how to make decisions that please you. And help us to apply what we've learned. In Jesus' name, amen. 
First, let's talk about what we mean when we say this phrase, God's will. Any volunteers, anybody want to take a stab at a definition of what God's will is? So if I say, I've got a big decision to make, I want to know what God's will is for this decision. Okay, God's plan. Good. Any other thoughts? What is answer? What do you mean? Like, say more about that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so the answer so far have been God's plan. Um, an answer about like, would would this particular like, would one decision or the other be be good for you? Right. Yeah. Okay. Good. Anything else come to mind? God's God's intended purpose. Right, these are all, all good thoughts, and um, yeah, they're, they're, they're thoughtful. I, I appreciate you kind of thinking through this. Um, in some ways, this was a trick question, in some ways, um, because the way the Bible speaks about God's will, it doesn't just speak about it in one way, rather it speaks about it in two, um, or three, I mean, we won't get into the nuances, but but two ways that the Bible speaks about God's will are first, what we might call, call God's secret will. Okay, so first is God's secret will. Um, you might also hear this called God's sovereign will or God's will of decree. So R.C. Sproul says that, um, that this is the will by which God brings to pass whatsoever he decrees. So it's the will by which God brings to pass whatsoever he decrees. Well, what is that? What is God's will? Ephesians 1.11 talks about um, him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So God is working all things according to the counsel of his will. So whether it rains or whether the sun shines... Matthew 5, whether somebody ultimately comes to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ or whether somebody does not, whether animals get food or whether the sparrow falls, the length of our life, whether you live a long time or a short time, the rising and the falling of rulers, and even things that you would normally attribute maybe to just random chance. Says in Proverbs sixteen thirty three, the lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. So if we were going to translate that to something a bit more modern, because most people probably aren't walking around with a bunch of lots, um, when you're playing a game, you might say the dice are rolled onto the table, but their every result is from the Lord. God has plans for every man, every woman, every child. Every rock and tree and mountain and planet and star and galaxy. So in this sense, God's will is whatever he has decided will happen and he brings to pass. So everything that happens falls under the umbrella of God's secret will. So here's the thing. Generally, we don't know what God's secret will is until it happens. Otherwise, we wouldn't call it secret, 
right? Like if everybody could see it, it wouldn't be much of a secret, would it? So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4.19, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. If the Lord wills it, Paul would come to the Corinthians. If the Lord doesn't, Paul wouldn't. So that's one sense in which the Bible talks about the Lord's will. So it's his secret will. Another sense is God's revealed will. And this is often shown in commandments, prohibitions, like when God says, don't do something, God prohibits it. Descriptions of what God loves and what God hates. Some people have called this God's moral will. Okay, so that, that's a, a very different sense that the Bible uses to describe God's will. Right? And so sometimes God's will of decree or God's secret will is that evil will happen, even though God's moral will or his revealed will is that he, he commands people not to do evil. All right? So God's not contradicting himself. These are just different senses of the word will. Okay? Now, how do you know what God wants you to do? So we've, we've talked about what, what we mean by God's will, or really, maybe more importantly, what the Bible means when it talks about God's will. How do you know what God wants you to do when it's time for you to make a decision? And here's where it, it's so easy to go wrong, because when, when you go wrong, your motives are so good. Um, in big decisions, it's easy to think that God has one decision he wants you to make. So let's say that you're choosing between three different options. Okay, it's easy to think that God, God wants you to choose one of those three things. It's your job to figure out what it is and to choose it. And if you don't, you've displeased God. So maybe you want to go to NC State but your two options are like NC State and UNC, and UNC's got the better program, but you kind of want to go to NC State, but, but so you're like, ah, which one do I choose? So you really, you start praying about it, right? And then you, you start, you just sort of wait for the Lord to lead you in one direction or the other, right? You're waiting for a nudge from the Holy Spirit. And, um, and, and here, okay, so disagreement alert. Here's where half of you are going to disagree. That's a bad way to think about God's will in your decision-making process. Okay, there. I'll just put it out there. All right? So that's, that's a bad way, generally speaking, to try to figure out what God wants you to do. Okay, I'm just going to let that sit out there for a second. Um, because it mixes the hidden and the revealed will of God. Okay? Um, God's God's secret or hidden will, like God really, he's not playing with you when he's not revealing things, right? But, but it is God's prerogative to run his universe the way he sees fit. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So let me read that again. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So, 
a better way to try to figure out what a God-pleasing decision is in that, that scenario is to focus on God's revealed will. Do what is moral and wise and for God's glory and you will make a God-pleasing decision. So make a decision that is moral, wise, and for God's glory, and your decision will please the Lord. Now that doesn't mean that it'll be easy, right? You could make a decision and, and it just really feels like it goes badly for you, but, but you can still rest with the assurance that you have pleased God. And isn't that what our ultimate aim should be anyway? Right? You don't have to wait for a sense of peace or the just right feeling or a nudge from the Holy Spirit. Okay, can God do those things? Absolutely. Right? I, I don't want to limit the Lord and say that he, he couldn't or wouldn't. Um, but the revealed things belong to us. And so the wise Christian will seek to discern what God has revealed and make decisions accordingly. So in 1 Corinthians, we're going to look at six questions that will help us make decisions that please God. Okay, so turn to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 34. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. The first question is, is it lawful? Is it lawful? So 1 Corinthians 15.34 says, Wake up from your drunken stupor as is right and do not go on sinning. So there are some decisions you could make that are sin and God says do not go on sinning. There are some decisions that you can make that follow the commandments of God and you should do those things. So whenever you have a decision that you need to make, First ask, is it lawful? So if God prohibits it, don't do it. So let's say that your brother or your sister uses your stuff without permission for the third time this week. And you're getting a little upset about that. Should you murder your sibling? Well, we can ask, is it lawful? God says, do not murder. So no, it's not lawful. Your decision should be made. Right? Let's not overcomplicate this. You don't, you don't need to be asking, like, well, I just don't really feel a peace about not killing my sibling. Like, you don't, you just don't, that doesn't even, like, don't, I mean, if you find yourself doing that, like, please talk to a pastor or something. Like, this is, you shouldn't even get there, right? Like, God says no, so just, you know, make the decision, leave, leave your sibling alone, and, and that's it. So, um, it does help, though, to know your Bibles well. Okay, so just an application point, if you don't already have a Bible reading plan for the year, you know, it's still early on, I'd suggest getting one. You know, get, get a one or two or three-year Bible plan and make a goal, right? Or, or finish the Bible in a year or two years. Or make, make a, a practice, you know, just a, read the Bible for 15 minutes every day to see how far you get, right? But over time, you're going to become more and more familiar with what God's Word says. So question one, is it lawful? Question two, is it enslaving? Is it enslaving? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 6.12. And just credit where credit is due. I got, got a chunk of this material from Sinclair Ferguson's book, Discovering God's Will. 
It, it is an excellent book. It's relatively short, highly recommend it. Um, he doesn't believe in present-day prophecy, and that does come out in one or two places, but besides that, um, I, I, I would agree with just about everything he says in there. Um, so 1 Corinthians 6.12, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. And it, it's possible that when he says all things are lawful for me, he may just be quoting something that the Corinthians had written to him. Um, so he's not saying that sin doesn't exist. That, that's, that's not really what he means. But I will not be dominated by anything. So will this decision that you're making, will, will one decision or the other, cause you to give up some self-control over your life? Right? Or will it eventually consume part of your life? Um, so let's say, and, and we'll use this example as we go through, let's say that you're thinking about a summer job. You might work at Chick-fil-A, or you might, might work at Marshall's. Right? It's a department store. They sell, they sell clothes um, down, in, down in Holly Springs. Um, so first, is, is it lawful? Would you say that either one of those is inherently sinful? Since my head's shaking, no. I wouldn't either. Okay, so we passed that test. Great. Second, is it enslaving? Um, and here it becomes a bit more person-dependent. So if you have a sweet tooth and you just like you some Chick-fil-A milkshakes and you know that if you work there, you're going to down like three or, four the, you know, three or four a day, right? You just have a hard time, like all of your money and calories, are like you're just going like, to indulge yourself in like this Chick-fil-A milkshake fest. Um, well, for you, if you don't have the self-control to say no, that might not be a good place to work. On the other hand, if you are overly concerned with what other people think about you, and just so much of your time is, is spent thinking, like, how can I make a good impression on my friends? Right? What clothes should I wear? You know, how, how should I dress? Well, maybe working at Marshall's might be enslaving for you because it might just feed your temptation to worry about your appearances too much. Ferguson says, what happens to the athlete who nibbles at cream cakes and tucks away too many calories? A moment comes in the race when he ceases to be the master, and the appetites to which he has yielded strangle every last ounce of energy out of him. They have him at their mercy, and all hope of winning a prize must be abandoned. So if there are some Christian liberties in your life that you just can't live without that is a good indication that you're enslaved to something. Okay, so one, is it lawful? Two, is it enslaving? Third question, is it beneficial? Is it beneficial? Let's look at chapter 10, verse 23. All uh, right, it would help if I looked at 1 Corinthians and not 2 Corinthians. So, chapter 10, verse 23. All things are lawful. Again, he may be, may be quoting from them. But not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Okay, so the question here is, is it beneficial? So have you ever heard somebody say about a particular decision, right? Well, there's nothing wrong with it. Well, you're right. There might not be anything wrong with it. But there might not be anything right with it either. Right, so our standard of decision-making needs to be a bit higher than, like, am I explicitly sinning by doing this thing? So thinking about whether this decision will be beneficial to you or to others should be part of your thinking process as, 
as God-fearing Christians, right? Like loving, loving, your, loving your neighbor as yourself often involves like making decisions that are going to result in some sort of benefit to that person. Um, so back to our, our discussion, right? Thinking about what job to pick. Um, would one of these require you to close the restaurant or the store frequently? Right? I don't know how, how late Marshall's is open. Chick-fil-A is open until maybe nine or so, but you, know, you have to stay a bit longer to clean up. So are, are you the type of person that just needs a lot of sleep? And so closing on Saturdays is going to cause you to just stumble into church kind of bleary-eyed and not really able to pay full attention to the sermon or to the singing. Right? So for you... Um, that might actually not be beneficial to you to choose the store that's going to require you to close up shop late, right? Um, so again, this can be person-dependent, but, but isn't always, right? So if you're choosing between working to earn some money to give to those in need or playing video games all summer, well... I can tell you which one will probably result in greater benefit both to you and to others, right? So is it beneficial? Number four, is it for God's glory? So is it for God's glory? 1 Corinthians 10.31, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So if one particular decision versus the other, will have an, will like obviously promote the glory of God, will obviously show God to be great and worthy of praise, then that should be a strong factor in your decision-making process. Now, there's also a subjective factor here, right? Like, it's possible for you to do the absolute right decision, but for the absolute wrong reasons, right? You could be aiming for your own glory rather than God's glory. That doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't make that decision, but you do need to check your heart attitude there, right? Like, the, the first two commandments, the greatest two, are loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself, and... If you can't do those things in a particular decision, well, that's a good indication that that's a bad decision to make. But if you can fulfill those commandments, but your heart's just not quite there, it would be worth praying and asking the Lord to to help you and get your heart in the right place. So, number one, is it lawful? Two, is it enslaving? Three, is it beneficial? Four, is it for God's glory? And five, is it consistent with biblical examples? Is it consistent with biblical examples? 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So Paul imitated Christ. The Apostle Paul invites us to imitate him as he imitates Christ. So looking at how the Apostles lived or how Jesus Christ himself lived can provide wonderful guidance sometimes when it comes to decision-making, right? Like asking, what would Jesus do in this situation is a valid question to ask. We're to consider the way of life of our leaders, right, our our pastors, right? So just thinking about um, people in the Bible that have lived well um, and then seeking to imitate those people or seeking to imitate godly Christians is, uh, is a good way to help uh, make decisions. And then finally, 
is it a good eternal investment? Is it a good eternal investment? So 1 Corinthians 15.58. Just for context, uh, much of this chapter is devoted to defending this idea that Jesus rose from the dead and you will rise from the dead. If If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, you're not going to either and your faith is worthless, it's futile, it's in vain, right? No good is going to come out of it after you die. But Paul says, whoa, 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 but that's not true. Christ did rise from the grave. We're going to rise. And because of that, he says in verse 58, 1 Corinthians 15, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. And it's not in vain because you're going to rise from the dead someday and you're going to live forever with God. And forever is a really, 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 really long time. You have one shot at life this side of eternity. Make it count. Hey, don't, don't waste it on trivial things. Invest your life in ways that in a few trillion years from now, you're going to be glad that you made the decisions you made. So God's desire is, is that you seek to glorify him by making moral and wise decisions. You do this by focusing on his revealed will, And you can ask six questions to help guide your decision-making process. So number one, is it lawful or does God permit it? Number two, is it enslaving? Number three, is it beneficial? Number four, is it for God's glory? Number five, is it consistent with biblical examples? And number six, is it a good internal, eternal investment? Okay, so when you have a decision to make, you can pull out those six questions, and th- this, these will be of help to you. They will not always make your decision for you. Like, sometimes you've weighed your options. Like, is it NC State? Is it the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill? Or do I go to Campbell or Liberty? Right? Like, it, even after answering these questions, it might not be clear. Well, in cases like that, you just make a decision. Which one do you want to go to? You can get godly counsel from other people. There may be some things you've missed, right? So lean on the counsel of people that know their Bibles well and that love God, right? Because they might know some commandments or prohibitions that you're dismissing, right? They might know examples in the Bible better than you do. They might know you sometimes better than you do. So, um, and they could think, they could help you think about long-term and short-term benefits of different options, Okay? So if you do that, you don't necessarily have to wait just to get that right sense of peace or that feeling of just rightness or the nudging of the Holy Spirit. Um, I mean, yes, pray. God doesn't want you to pray and be humble. But um, if you follow this this method of decision-making, you can rest confident that you know you've pleased the Lord. So I said we talk about some objections. I tell you what, just with the time left, I'm just going to name what they are. I'm not actually going to answer them right now. Feel free to come to me afterwards and talk. 
Um, or we might just do a follow-up message just to hit some of these objections someday. We'll, we'll see. Um, but doesn't God want me to pray about decisions? Um, spoiler, yes. Number two, uh, how do I know what God wants me to do with my school choice or my job choice? Well, in some ways, it's the wrong question, right? The, the better choice would be, like, how, how can you please the Lord, right? And we've, we've talked about that. What about impressions from God or nudges from the Holy Spirit? It's another objection. Or what about being led by the Spirit of God, Romans 8? 14 or Galatians 5.18. It's actually, you know, it talks about being led by the Spirit of God. What about Proverbs 3? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, right? And it talks about God making your paths straight. What about John 10? Jesus is sheep, hear his voice. What about open doors? Um, so I've, I've heard people talk about uh, pursuing open doors and, and sort of using that as a gauge for whether a decision is from the Lord or not. What about feelings of peace or not, not having peace? Um, I I didn't have a lot of peace for a few days after I asked my wife to marry me. I was like, ah, huge decision. What have I done? Um, but uh, I trust that it was still from the Lord, even though I, I lacked peace. Uh, it's normal not to have a lot of peace after big decisions. What about Gideon and putting out the fleece? Or what about dreams or prophecy? So we can talk about that, um, but, but another time, all right? So let's pray, and then we're going to break up into small groups. So 12th grade will be in back. Girls on this side, boys on this side. 11th grade will be in the middle. Girls, boys. 9th and 10th grade will be in the front. Girls, boys. Right? So let's pray. Father, we thank you for being a good God who wants good things for your people. And you're not, you're not tricky in the sense that, that, that you, you just, you're making it hard to, you know, like for your people to make decisions that please you. I mean, you have let us know what you want. You said in your word, uh, what does the Lord require of you but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? And so give us peace as we make decisions. Uh, the, The peace that comes from knowing you and knowing your word and knowing that we can please you if we act in faith, if we act wisely, if we act morally, and if we act in a way that seeks to glorify you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.